This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art. Maria Sensi-Selner, first of all, congratulations. Ten years of Resonance Works, and here we are with an amazing uh, brand new opera. Welcome back. It's so great to be here, and it's hard to believe it's been a decade. It is hard to believe. It's just amazing. And I'm so glad that, oh my goodness, you guys are wearing your colors, the new Resonance Works colors. <laughs> they tend to be my colors, I guess, too. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. That's yeah, good. Our, new, our new colors. Yeah. So the season opens with I Am a Dreamer Who No Longer Dreams, which is opening the season for Resonance Works, its 10th anniversary. And this is a Pittsburgh premiere of Jorge Sosa and Cerise Lim Jacobs' piece. It's an evocative contemporary opera, and uh, we're going to hear from uh, both Maria and the director and three of the singers. The performances are on Friday, October 14th, and Sunday, a matinee at the Andrew Carnegie Free Library and Music Hall, which, of course, is located in Carnegie, and you can get your tickets by going to resonanceworks.org. Maria, you have been involved in this piece since the beginning, I believe. Almost, almost oh. the beginning. Yeah, okay. um, I, I actually got to meet Cerise. Um, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, but she was telling me about uh, some pieces in her pipeline, and this one really um, resonated with me. <laughs> well, there's no other way <laughs> to say me. that. There's you know, the key. <laughs> see what I did there. Okay, um, and uh, so I became involved um, in 2018. I conducted the workshop in Boston, uh, which was with the original cast and the Boston Children's Chorus, and then I conducted the world premiere in Boston in September of 2019. And then the world drew to a close, and yes. now we're back again. And now we're back. And so we've been talking about doing Dreamer for, goodness, like three years. Um, it's a two-year delay, but we've had, we had the plans in motion before that. So tell me a little bit about the music. Um, it's a new piece. Uh, are we having melody? Do we have what kind of music do we get surrounded by? Absolutely. Um, Jorge's music uh, really draws on a lot of different influences, um, definitely the Western classical tradition, but also a lot of folk music and Afro-Latin rhythms. And our two main characters in the opera are, um, uh, are immigrants, a Mexican immigrant and an uh, ethnically Chinese woman from Indonesia. So he draws on those uh, folk traditions as well in the score. It's very, very accessible. Um, Rosa's first aria is a bolero, and it's... it's um, and some of it sounds like rock music. I mean, I think, and others, other moments like Palestrina, really beautiful score. Estefania Fadul, you're here in town uh, taking over this production. And tell me a little bit about your approach to the piece. Yeah, I think I was really struck from the beginning by the fact that it's a story of two women. You know, the, it's, it's called I'm a Dreamer Who No Longer Dreams. And Technically, only one of the women is a dreamer uh, in the sense of, uh, of DACA, but they're both immigrants. Um, her lawyer is also an immigrant, and they both, through the course of the piece, um, end up finding out that they had a lot of biases and assumptions about each other um, because of their very different experiences and get to know each other really as people um, and get to see each other's experiences um, in a new light over the course of it. So it was important to me to focus really on on the relationship between the two of them and how, as immigrants with very different backgrounds, um, 
even, you know, even amongst immigrant communities, there can be a lot of, of assumptions made about other people. Um, and just what is this idea of being American, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> what is the yeah. idea of being American? I mean, how does one approach that? It's a great, it's a lot of questions, I think. I don't think there is an answer to that. Um, I think that there is, it really kind of breaks down that there is any any one idea of what it means to be uh, an American. And uh, I think the piece asks, asks a lot of questions and even just about how we as individuals relate to that term. Well, I love seeing across from me here as I'm speaking with uh, the singers and uh, conductor and uh, also the stage director that I'm seeing all women. So it's uh, from a very female point of view. I have three of the singers here, uh, Maria Dominique Lopez, Helen Jibing Huang and Natalie Polito. Helen, you were involved in the original production in Boston. That is correct. So tell me a little bit about that journey there and now to return to this piece, but in sort of in a different manner. Yeah, so um, Cerise had originally reached out to me in 2018, just like Maria, um, about this piece. And as soon as I read the libretto, I immediately was drawn to the piece, um, partially because I am also an immigrant myself. I moved to the United States when I was 12, much like my character Singa. Um, and actually, a lot of the words that young Singa says in this opera, um, I had memories of me saying them myself to my parents. Um, so immediately I was like, I need to do this. So I was involved with the workshop in 2018, as well as the world premiere in uh, 2019. Um, and it's been such a pleasure to be able to re-explore this piece after what happened in 2020 and uh, everything that has changed in the world, um, all the progress that we have made. Um, you know, many times when we return to a piece like this um, that is so um, deeply entrenched in current events, we wonder if it's still going to be relevant in a few years. Um, and it's just amazing to see this piece again and realize how much more relevant it is. Many of the issues that were discussed in the piece still exist. Um, and as we discussed yesterday with uh, Stefania and Maria, there are lots of new things that um, came to light. Um, just like, uh, for sorry, for example, that um, there are many more similarities between minority women that we don't realize and how we're all pitted against each other in society. But in reality, it's more important for us to all work together. A very challenging thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Maria, tell me a little bit about your character. Uh, thanks. Yeah, Rosa is a really interesting woman, I find. she She's had a much more different experience than Singa has, a much more different immigrant experience. Um, unlike Singa, she has not been able to find a legal pathway here that gives her a lot of rights, although she is a dreamer. Um, and so she spent the majority of her younger years in America, moving here when she was 10, uh, up until 2007 when the Dreamer Act came into being as an undocumented immigrant, as someone who didn't really have the security of knowing that she would be able to stay here in this country and be protected by its laws. And so now she's become, after 2007, a community organizer where she really works hard to 
fight for the rights of other undocumented immigrants and um, and other dreamers in her area. And so she she really has become this kind of cornerstone of her community in that way, and yet finds herself in a really tragic and difficult position in this opera where she is forced to decide between her future and the, the life she's trying to build for herself here in America and the future of many other people and their families are on the line. And um, no more spoilers, so I'm not going to tell you what else happens. I was going to say, that, that is quite an arc for the character. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really very intense. And um, one, one thing that, that Helen said that, that I have a very different relation to, but also very similar, and I think that's something that we talk about a lot in our process here in this opera is about how these two women are very different and yet they are so similar. Both Helen and I have very different and also similar feelings about this opera. Helen has an immigrant's experience, right? She has an experience with working with the law for green card status and all of those things, whereas my family um, are multi-generational immigrants. So I was born in this country, but I am Chicana. And to live in a, in a community let's say, my community that I was raised in was very white growing up. So I didn't really get a lot of exposure to my own Latino heritage. And then now in my adulthood, I'm starting to explore my own ancestry and my own heritage. And the, the excerpt that we sang for you for the show today, we are the in-between people, that really deeply spoke to me because I have felt for so long that I'm, I'm not always accepted in my Latino communities because I'm not brown enough, my Spanish isn't fluent enough, um, I, don't, I don't have the background of that culture enough because my parents were so concerned with proximity to whiteness and assimilation when I was growing up that really that's more of my culture. And yet, growing up in a very red state in Arizona, I was told that I wasn't white enough. And so I've always kind of been an in-between person despite having been born in this country and being a citizen. So this piece means a lot to me. Absolutely. I Nat, would, oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. I might just uh, tack on to what the taller Maria has said. <laughs> said <laughs> Maria um, squared. Yeah, abso absolutely. Hey, we, we did that the last time, too, with, with Maria Brea, um, two Marias. Um, the, it's really interesting to think about the, the status of, of these women, too, and, and what it means to be, um, to have legal rights. You know, the protections of DACA uh, have been um, very fragile, right? Because the, the, um, it's not law. It's at the whim of the administration. And so I read, I found a quote online that said, I'm tired of living my life two years at a time, right? Mm -hmm. so, so it really is something that is affecting people's lives very, very specifically. And, uh, you know, it makes some people not want to uh, take advantage of, of DACA um, in that way. So um, it, there's, a, there's a lot of layers and a lot of subtleties to this, to this story, a lot of perspectives. Well, we as a um, uh, whole country, as a whole world, have been living literally month to month, day to day. So we're yeah. experiencing that challenge, that difficulty that uh, is present constantly with uh, the DACA and the uh, Dreamers. Natalie, tell me a little bit about your character. Sure. So I actually have a really unique situation in this opera, one that I realized I've never had before in that I play three different characters, which is a, a definite challenge to find the layers in each of those um, and a responsibility in that until you see me at the end. So I play the gangster, the mother and the prosecutor. Ooh. And until you see me at the end of the opera as the prosecutor, much of my character exists in the memories of my two colleagues who've spoken so eloquently about their characters. And um, 
sometimes in the imagination. Sometimes those memories are exaggerated. Um, as the mother, of course, I have the responsibility to help tell the story of both sides of the immigrants in, the, in this piece. Um, so it's really, really exciting for me to explore. Um, and kind of on a personal note, so it, playing the prosecutor is a wonderful art imitating life moment for me because I, you know, as, as my colleagues have said in the last since 2020, but certainly since 2016, um, I really had a lot of time to reframe what was important to me and during the pandemic to uh, realize that creating art that has a social justice impact to it is incredibly important to who I am as a person. And in addition to that, I decided to go to law school. So <laughs> I may be absolutely insane, but I am attending Seton Hall Law and um, really committed to the idea of how can I blend music and social justice in a way that makes an impact in this world. And while my character as the prosecutor is not the kindest person, I hope that I can make up for that in the work I do outside of the show. But it is really exciting to get to play these characters and work with such an incredible team of women. Absolutely. I love all these women over here. This is like, it's like, it's almost intimidating. <laughs> um, I think of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is a town of immigrants. I mean, we're miners where we come from everywhere and yet we have now settled. So Maria, how do you see this affecting uh, Pittsburghers? That's really one of the reasons I was excited to bring the piece here. Um, growing up, I, I have a multifaceted ancestry, but I always, growing up, knew I was the, the granddaughter and the great-granddaughter of immigrants. Um, there were always festivals that celebrating that cultural heritage. You know, I'm half Italian and half Polish, and both of those were very important. Im, important in my in my upbringing and in my life and I think you know you just have to go down the street to the nationality rooms at the University of Pittsburgh and you can see the impact of um, of communities of people from all over the world that came to this area and that are part of its history um, and so you know the immigrant stories they change over time, but a lot of things are the same. Uh, I remember my dad mentioning my dad was the first person in his family to be born in this country. His siblings were not. And um, and my uncle Americanized his name. My dad, my grandmother made homemade bread. <laughs> and my dad hated it because it made him different. When he went to school, he uh, he. he he laughs about this now. He says, boy, I was, that was stupid because he wanted, why can't I have Wonder Bread sandwiches like my friends? Mm. Uh, and because it was about assimilating and being and fitting in. And, you know, immigrants of, of all different groups have been treated in all kinds of ways, uh, often terrible ways, uh, over the course of history. And, uh, and, and so I really felt this is an area that in particular that would, um, it would be a great place to, to present this, this story, this immigrant story. Stephanie, what are you hoping the audience will take away from this piece? Oh, I mean, I think so much of it is looking at our own assumptions about people. Um, and more than that, I think, you know, the play ends on this lovely, bittersweet note, I would say, of, of hope. But I think we're at a point, you know, to what Natalie was saying before in terms of art and, you know, actual action. Uh, what are the actions that we as a society can take right now to ensure a better future 
um, for upcoming generations. Um, this is a cycle that's been repeating time and time again. Um, what can we do to make sure that uh, you know these individual stories that we're seeing because we're, we're we're getting to know these people as humans, um, and I think so much of what happens to you know I mean to people in in many situations, but specifically thinking about immigrants and in this case specifically with undocumented folks is often the narratives about them dehumanize them and so much of what I think you know, this opera and certainly just getting to know people does is that we actually see the human side of people. And hopefully what that does is then lead to action, action. Uh, policy change, just human to human interaction change. Well, human to human is so important these yeah. days, especially since we're coming out of a pandemic where we have not been able to have human to human touch, let alone uh, be in a concert hall together. So that will happen for this. Maria, you mentioned that there is a, a gathering before the performances. Yes, well, this is the first time we're doing this. We're having a pre-performance uh, panel conversation. So it'll be one hour before each of the performances. So 7 p.m. on Friday and 2 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, so it will be an opportunity to uh, to talk about the piece, but also to talk about um, some of the topics of the piece. Um, I will be there moderating, and Estefania will be on the panel along with our composer and librettist Jorge and Cerise and uh, also some members of our community. We are excited to be um, having a, several um, community partners uh, for this who uh, really know better than I about, about many of these issues. And uh, in particular, Casa San Jose uh, will, will be, um, have a couple of people on that panel and also will be in the, uh, at the performances in the lobby for people to talk to. Wonderful. Helen, for you, what would you like people to take away? Oh boy, this is difficult because I feel like Estefania had spoken about it so eloquently and so in, on a global level. But you level. as your character, Absolutely. let's say, as yeah. Hannah, yes. Um, I think the most important thing is that we all have a lot more in common than we have um, that's different about all of us. It's more important for us to look for that commonality. Um, and I think also from just purely from Singa's point of view, um, everyone has a lot more going on underneath and they let out on the surface. Um, so don't try to, you know, pass judgment so quickly and be open, be approach open it. and mm -hmm. Absolutely. Learn more about each other. Well, you know, that is so hard for us, I think, sometimes. You know, we just immediately put a judgmental thing on stuff, and uh, so hopefully we can remain open. Maria, not your character um, is challenged by the choices she has to make, but you as a person, too, will be doing some um, wonderful healing practices during the performance. Yes. So um, when the pandemic hit and the entire opera industry shut down overnight, <laughs> as, as we all were very familiar with, um, I was just in the process of starting uh, a Reiki practice. And so I offer Reiki, which is a, an energetic healing practice um, to clients all over the world via distance or in person. And um, during this performance, I, I decided when I decided to come back to music, because I did Reiki all throughout the pandemic, um, when the industry opened back up and I decided to begin singing again, I decided that I really wanted to bridge the gap between performer and audience member in a way that really put a very fine point on the transcendental healing power of music and, and the quantum 
relationship that we can have when someone is in the audience and someone is on stage and the connections that we can make deeply, not only when we're telling really important stories like this one, but when we're also experiencing really beautiful music like what Jorge wrote. And so um, I will be giving, um, as part of the auspices of what I call my Sing the Light program, I give group Reiki to every audience member during performances while I'm singing. So um, if you are in the audience and you're interested in receiving, enjoy the good vibes that will be coming your way. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I've heard so many audience members always say that music does something, clears them, does mm. all sorts of things. So uh, our audience could be aware of that. This is I Am a Dreamer Who No Longer Dreams, performances at Carnegie Music Hall in Carnegie, and the first performance Friday, October 14th at 8 o'clock, and Sunday, October 16th at 3 o'clock, with a panel discussion an hour beforehand. Of course, get your tickets now resonanceworks.org slash dreamer um maria anything else you'd like to mention yes absolutely very important piece of this which is our partnership with the pittsburgh youth chorus uh, oh, for excellent. this production um uh, our, our other singers here mentioned young singa and young rosa mm -hmm. and there are some amazingly talented young people who are playing those roles elizabeth rosales and cheng si tao are our young singa and young rosa and the pittsburgh youth chorus is the chorus for this opera and they are on stage the entire time. There's 16 members of PYC and they play a lot of different roles. A lot of it is in the memory space as Natalie was talking about, um, but n also not. Uh, and and they're, they're really a part of the orchestration of the piece itself. Um, they, they sing some words, but they also have a lot of like ooh and ah uh, moments that, that that feed into the orchestration of the piece. So we are so grateful for that partnership with PYC and artistic director Sean Funk. Uh, it's it's been really. Um, I, originally, I think they said that the children's chorus would be optional in this piece, but I can't imagine this piece without it. And I think Helen, yeah. Helen, and I, especially who experienced it in Boston and here, uh, the the kids bring a whole nother level, uh, a whole nother. Um, uh, thought level to the entire to the entire production awesome well ladies thank you so much it's been a joy speaking with you and uh toy 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 for the opera that opens on october 14th i am a dreamer who no longer dreams with resonance works celebrating their 10th anniversary season congratulations thank you so much anna thank you thank you thank you thank you
This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art.